Welcome to the Mile Marker Podcast. My name is Stacey Papp, and I will be your guide, taking you on a journey into the world of fleet automation and shared mobility, focusing on innovations for businesses with fleets. Joining me today is James Carter, consultant, author, and expert in new mobility. As principal consultant at Vision Mobility, James leads the organization in providing visionary consulting services while focusing on the future of mobility, research, and forecasting, as well as providing strategic direction for startups. Today, he joins us to talk about the importance of electrifying fleets and the impacts clean vehicles have on fleet-based businesses. James, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you here today. It's really good to be here, and uh, it's great to talk to you again, Stacy. Absolutely. So let's jump right in. Why is fleet electrification so important? So, uh, look, I think there's two reasons for that, and I want to start by by just being a, a humanist for a second. And and I, I think the first part that we should really think about is is what does this do for you know, our environment at large and what direction are, are we taking our world? And and I think we really have to say, well, you know, we want a world without with as with the least amount of pollution as possible, whether that be smoke forming pollution that, that we breathe and shortens people's lives, or whether that's uh, carbon dioxide pollution that, that has uh, an impact on on the greenhouse impact and, and is causing climate change. And and I really think we, we need to start with that as a point. And I realize that a lot of people understand it, but when it comes to economics, sometimes that just gets put aside and, and you know, we, we don't want to deal necessarily with that point. But but I think we should also have a look at the the cost points as well. One thing that, that we're really starting to see with uh, electrifying fleets is cost down. And, and I think that's that is really the big drivers that, that we're seeing uh, in the direction that um, companies are, are are looking to go and and they also have had this direction and an ESG mandate which is really what corporately we would say for having this this I guess humanist direction we're, we're talking about and and the rise of ESG is really starting to pair with with this these cost down initiatives which is coming together with with new technology and new battery uh, capabilities and and really a broadness in the market of, of EV and, and really starting to offer solutions out there that that we can um not only uh enjoy significant costs down and especially in the operational costs of fleet but but also start to fulfill that uh, esg mandate which frankly I, I think for many companies has been a long time coming so in that same vein on that esg front that often comes with requirements and compliance and regulations are there any specific requirements for fleets switching from ICE vehicles or internal combustion engine vehicles to EVs? So, you know, right now it's it's a little spotty, but, you know, uh, obviously new cars are built to a certain way. I think what fleets are really seeing on the ESG side is that many companies are, are really needing to you know, move the needle forward and their investors are looking, particularly if, if they're larger companies, investors are looking to really see, well, what are you doing with ESG? Are you doing the right thing? Are you, are you, you know, how are you reducing your carbon emissions? And they're, they're really starting to look at these fine details. And, you know, I think one of the easy way, especially that fleets can move forward, and, and let's face it, um, vehicle emissions are going to be the, the primary area of, of the fleet's ESG component, um, is that they can, you know, look at cutting this back. 
um, through the adoption of, of electric vehicles. So you've got this this dual mandate really going on um, that that consists of basically the company reaching out to do the right thing and also its investors and its suppliers and its uh, you know its customers saying, hey, what are you doing about ESG? And, and I think there's this, this, this holistic pressure really to, to, uh, for, for uh, fleets really to start thinking about changing over towards electric vehicles. Well, and we know that ESG is not something, you know, that's going away today. A lot of companies, manufacturing and even non-manufacturing companies are, you know, deploying this ESG strategy. Um, but going back to kind of the fleet-based businesses for a minute, how do clean vehicles help both in the short term and in the long run when it helps or when it comes to implementing these into businesses that rely on fleets from day-to-day operations? Well, I, I think you really, from a, from a top level point of view, you make your business more investable. You make your business worth more simply because that's what customers and clients and, and investors are looking for. And, and by doing that, uh, you know, you drive the value of your business up. And conversely, if, if you are going to hold out, uh, then then you're going to have the reverse impact. So so that, I think, is a real, you know, uh, issue. And I think a reality that fleets have to have to really think about. Now, I know some fleets are, are moving towards hybrids and, that, and that's been a, a very good step. Um, However, you know, there's there's there are next steps, and, and that that is uh, electrical electric vehicles, and that is uh, electrification, where we can take you know, zero tailpipe emissions become you know a reality, and, and I think that's a great thing. You touched on this in the first question when you talked about the human approach to electrification, which I think is incredibly important. Everybody wants to do well for the environment. We want to put the good back in that we've gotten out. Um, but you also touched on something that I think is worth exploring a little bit more in this question. When it comes down to cost, there's been so much information on the internet, true or false, depending on you know what source <laughs> sourcing. And you know this. I mean, you've been out there and you've seen. You probably even had people ask you what is true and what is not. But what are, when you're talking about cost, ultimately the bottom line is what most fleet managers and owner operators are thinking about. Mm-hmm. How cost effective are EVs actually for fleet based businesses? So I, you know, I think we we have to speak on a more general terms. I, I think I would encourage every fleet right here to go out and get an assessment on electric vehicles to really understand in in detail how their use case and how they use their vehicles uh, is is relatable to electric vehicles. And and frankly, there might be some vehicles that it's going to be a lot more tricky to uh, convert to full electric vehicles than others. And and I understand that. Uh, and you know, let's we're hoping that new vehicles will come out over the next few years that will cover that. Uh, but I think that's really the starting point is, is really to have someone come along and, and really start to identify what can be done. To me, that that's the point. So, so when we're talking about actual cost for that operation, that's what I would do. But if I was speaking, you know, in broader terms, typically what we see with electric vehicles is a much higher capital cost and a much lower operational cost. And at some point in time, the cost down in the operational side will balance out to uh, what that uh, uh, CapEx looks like. Now, it really does depend on some factors of of what that is. And typically, the higher the miles that the vehicle does, the faster it will uh, start to start to pay off in in time period terms, 
and also you, you've got to be a little bit careful about what vehicle you're comparing to to the other vehicle. If you start comparing a, a Tesla Model S to a, a Toyota Corolla, there's no way you're ever going to to pay it off. However, and conversely, if you compare a a Nissan Leaf to a Bentley, of, of course, <laughs> it, exactly the reverse is, is going to sure. happen. But, you know, I think once uh, fleets start comparing like-for-like vehicles, they'll start to see that there's a payoff, and, and that could be, you know, could be two years, it could be five years, it could be eight years, depending on the circumstance. Uh, however, uh, in most cases, that there is going to be a, an operational payback, and particularly those vehicles that... Uh, payback fairly quickly, say two or three or four years. If that fleet uh, tends to keep vehicles a little longer, so for instance, 10 years, then we really start to see, um, you know, some really significant savings for that fleet over the long term. One thing I would really suggest that fleets think about is really understanding what their CapEx and their OpEx budgets look like. Uh, because as we know, most fleets will have a budget for for that um but really evs kind of throw that upside down because of this much higher capex much lower opex and and really starting to think well you know i, I do need to move some money around maybe this total cost is is going to stay the same uh over four or five years or whatever it is but at the same time i, I really need to understand where this money now falls and where it's where it now lies. And, and I think that's really important. So we're talking basically a spend to save situation. It's just not realizing that savings right away. Like most of us want to, right? Like we try to save, we want to see the, the fruits of our labor very quickly, yeah. um, but we're spending up front to save a little bit on the back end. Yeah. I, and I mean, you're spending a lot up front to save a lot on the back end sure. is, is how I would characterize it. Sure. So what are some of the unique challenges fleets could face when they start to incorporate EVs into their, their mix of vehicles? Yeah, and, and I would I would really go back to, to what I mentioned earlier about really having someone in to really understand what their use case is and what uh, the electric vehicles uh, can do and are capable of uh, and, and um, may, may necessarily face challenges. But some of the uh, challenges that you could particularly uh, think about uh, would be things like, um, A, do you have an, enough electricity coming into your depot? Uh, can it, it cope with with a full, you know, if you, you might be able to cope with two or four or 10 vehicles, but what if you decide you've got a larger fleet and you decide to uh, electrify 100 vehicles for overnight charging? That becomes a big, big challenge. Or looking to grow your fleet too, right? So right. If, yeah, so right. you're trying to you're trying to scale to size, but whoops, if you don't have the power to, to literally operate them, there's no scaling to size. Exactly. So, so that is a real challenge. And you can't just rock up to your utility and say, hey, can you come around tomorrow and put in a bigger service? Trust me, it don't work that way. Well, they <laughs> could try, but I don't think they'll have much luck or many friends. <laughs> yeah, you could try. Um, but, you know, you're, you're probably on, you know, you could be on a 12 or 18 month, you know, timeline really to upgrade that service to, uh, you know, a, you know, to make sure that you've got half a megawatt in or, you know, wh whatever the, your needs are to, to successfully charge that vehicle overnight. So, you know, I think that that is a challenge. Uh, the second challenge is uh, really to understand uh, what that vehicle is capable of in range and how that range changes with 
the different use environment. So for instance, um, you, you might you might see a vehicle and let's just say it's rated at 200 miles of range, uh, but it comes to winter and, you know, winter, if, if you're living in the Northeast or where I am in, here in Canada, you know, that's going to chunk take a big chunk. That could take as much as 40% out of your range if you're operating in, in, uh, in some, you know, below freezing. So, uh, you know, that plus you've got a heavy load and suddenly you're towing and maybe you, you put winter tires on your vehicle or you're traveling more on highways rather than around town. And so suddenly all of these things start to add up. Uh, and, and can it, this vehicle particularly do that job that you needed to do? And, and I think that's an important question that that fleets need to ask. It, typically what we see um, is often that fleet vehicles tend to do the same thing thing and and that duty cycle really doesn't change dramatically uh so you know it, it does allow fleets to plan for a, a, a trip to easily plan for a worst case and if there's a worst case when something happens let's just say uh, someone's forgot to charge the car and and you know it's it's only got um uh a 30 percent state of charge when um when it should have 90 at the start of the day then what happens? Do you have a backup plan? So that they're, they're the sorts of things that that really uh, fleets really need to think about and and start actually at, you know making some procedures to to ensure that uh, their their drivers know what to do. It would be really nice if there was a checklist somewhere. Maybe there is a checklist out there somewhere of what you just mentioned. Maybe we should make one. Um, but I think that was really <laughs> good tactical advice because I don't I've never seen anything really like that as far as like here are a few things to think about it's just we know we should we know we need to you know it's more of the how do we do this than how do I think my way through it so um, that's really cool to to be able to provide people like and I really like the approach you take when you're baby stepping this I think a lot of people are looking at this and thinking I've got to jump into the deep end with both feet this seems like a really big task rather than you know, you've got time. No one's, I don't think, really breathing down anybody's back. But as the as this becomes more of a hotter topic than it has been, being mm-hmm. able to have a tactical checklist, say, like, let me think about these things. What's the strategy? What's the plan? What's the cost? How does this impact me um, is really important. So thank you for sharing that. And I want to flip this a little bit away from the actual vehicle mm-hmm. and talk more on the technology side. So mm-hmm. um, when we're thinking about EVs and um, operational efficiencies and productivity, there's often some sort of technology behind it. And that's mm-hmm. usually fleet automation. So in in your mind, where does fleet automation come in to help some of these challenges that fleets may be having on those productivity, efficiency, and cost sides, maybe using an ICE vehicle? And can EVs really kind of help that? So moreover, how does fleet automation basically help? Well, you know, I, I think really what it can do is solve some of those problems for you that some of those detail issues that, you know, did that car get charged? You know, what, what is the state of charge? Can it, can it be capable of doing it, its duty that it needs to do the next day? You know, that they're the sorts of things that, you know, fleet managers uh, might find out when the, the driver calls them up and goes, hey, who forgot to plug this car in? I can't go anywhere and I can't do my job. But if you have some sort of notification, if you sure. have some sort of automation that can make that this type of thing much easier and, and, and you can iron out some of those wrinkles, then, you know, you can get past these points. And, and that's where, you know, it, it, it's 
you're not risking the the business uh, operational side uh, for for adapting a new technology by having by at least having something within the, the automation process that that can get you past ninety five percent of those day to day issues, uh, then I think you're way way ahead. What you you talk about making a vehicle roadworthy if it's not charged and it doesn't go, it's not roadworthy, right? Like it's just, <laughs> you're not that, doing anyway. You're not going not, anyway. Yeah, that's right. Your day's just not going to happen. And I mean, sure, we could probably pivot that into the digital key solution uh, discussion, which we won't, not for this podcast, but. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's you're right. Those having those alerts, which I think on the fleet automation side, which helps to take the noise and make some sense of all that stuff coming from vehicles. What can get married buried under there is, hey, is this charged? And if it's not, like, how many minutes or hours to charge? Because we have things to do today. Yeah, exactly. So well, we, you know, oh, what ahead, is sir. the minimal? How how long will it take to charge? And you know, well, you know, if that has gone haywire, how long will it take to charge? What can I get done in a couple of hours while I'm waiting? Or where is the nearest fast charger? Or you know, all types of things that that you know can can really counteract a, a problem as well as you know solve it before it even becomes a problem. So, with the focus on implementing more EVs, what do you see from a futuristic perspective? This how it impacts fleet-based businesses. Do you think more fleet-based businesses will adopt? EVs? Do you think they'll kind of stay status quo until they have to? Um, in your opinion, kind of, you know, what, where are people at when it comes to, yes, I'm going to do it. No, I'm not going to, unless I'm told, or I just don't know yet. Yeah. Good question. I, look, I think, you know, when we look at fleets, uh, well, actually let's, let's step back a bit. You know, when you're, you or I look at buying a car from our private needs, we'll go, Oh, do we like the set styling? Oh, you know, it's fast and that's great. And has it got enough interior room or will my wife like the interior styling or, you know, whatever it is that we happen to judge, you know, buying a car on a showroom, on the showroom for fleets, I think are, are much more simple creatures. Um, you know, there's really two things is one, does it do the job? And two, how much does it cost? So we really need to answer those questions. And uh, for a fleet on the first one, will it do the job? You know, I think in the past, there hasn't been enough vehicles really that, that could do uh, everything. It, there, there simply wasn't uh, available vehicles to be able to do the jobs that the fleets needed to do in the way that they wanted to do them. And, you know, that's obviously not great for electric vehicles, but as we've seen a lot more product roll out and a lot more offerings out there that are becoming very suitable, you know, just being able to do the job, I think, is a great first step. And then the second thing, uh, you know, how much does it cost? And we talked a lot more, we talked a lot more earlier about um, OPEX and CAPEX costs, but having that cost cost down, uh, you know, uh, at least in, in sight, you know, really opens that up uh, for fleets. So if you had a crystal ball and looking way far into the future, mm-hmm. do you think more and more fleet-based businesses will normalize the use of EVs versus ICE vehicles? Or is it, you know, you know, five, 10 years from now, will people be saying, gosh, I don't have enough clean vehicles in my fleet? Or is it more of like, okay, I'll do it because that's the right thing to do. And I'm a good steward of the environment. Um, knowing that really the future of, of automotive is lending towards hybrid or clean vehicles. Here's what I think, Stacey. 
I think that athletes who particularly do higher miles will not be competitive if they don't go EV in five years' time. I so strongly believe that. You know, maybe you could figure it out with a, you know, if you're only doing five or ten, you know, five or ten thousand miles a year, maybe that might work um, by keeping an IC vehicle longer. But if you're doing a lot of miles in your vehicle, you simply will not be competitive by 2030. That is my feeling. And and I believe that we'll see a lot of fleet vehicles just start to turn over for that fact because they will look at the cost and they will go, no, not doing that. And, you know, it comes with all these other ESG problems. Yeah, I can save money and, and go along, uh, you know, hit my ESG goals by going EV. And that's the shift. And I think it's still happening, you know, somewhat slowly. But as that product comes out and as some of the other problems start to be solved, what you mentioned earlier, this shift is going to be happen very, very quickly. You know, what I've really discovered with technologies, particularly in automotive, in, in my 25, more than 25 years in the mm-hmm. industry, is, is that, you know, we see these technologies come out. And, you know, let's take electric vehicle passenger cars, for instance, right now. You know, we saw a Nissan Leaf uh, um, come out in 2011. We saw the Tesla Model S. Uh, come out in 2012, and and really they were the first ones out in, in market. But you know they sold in in quite small numbers, and you know the market slowly grew. It slowly grew, and then suddenly we had Model Three come out, and it changed the world. And we've seen just right at that point total hockey stick in terms of uh, EV outlook, EV adoption, uh, the pace of which you know EVs are being you know uh, accepted. You know the top. North American regions, which is British Columbia, by the way, have over 20% of new car sales being either uh, plug-in, being either uh, plug-in hybrid or electric vehicles. And that is absolutely amazing. This is a transition that's happening quickly, and we're going to see exactly the same thing happen with fleets. Here's the scary thing. 2030 is not that far away. If you if you look at it, I mean... Away. We are right around the corner from 2023. So we're <laughs> right. holding you to 2030 that your prognostications will be correct. Uh, no, no pressure. But that's really a, a nice, um, you know, mile marker, no pun intended, given that's the name of this podcast, but a, a mile marker to look at and say, yeah. like, in the next seven years, things can really be different when it comes to the fleet vehicles that are on the road. And to your exact right. point, by the the number of miles that they're driving, which I think forces fleet managers and owner operators to look at it and go, we need to really think about productivity and efficiency from a completely different way. Hundred percent. And and the other thing that I would really say about this is is we we hear a little bit about you know electric vehicles perhaps not offering the range that some IC vehicles do, uh, particularly when towing, and that's absolutely true. What I think also needs to be considered is is some of the other non non-directly cost-associated things that uh, EVs uh, really have. One is they are just so much better to drive. And if you've spent any time in in a, an EV, uh, you will know just how much more powerful they are, how much more torque they are, how smooth and quiet they are. They just are a much nicer driving experience. And, and I think that's the feedback that I've heard from every fleet. The drivers just enjoy driving EVs much more. So I think that's the first thing. And, and even more so, we've heard of fleets that actually reward their good drivers with an EV. 
um, and, and have their other drivers try to catch up so that they can get into the next one when it comes along. So I think that's the first point. The second point is um, that that they offer other things that that may not be available in an IC vehicle. The really one I'm thinking of is is Ford F-150 Lightning, which has 9.6 kilowatts of power on board. So you just have to, you can run a whole job site uh, just off your truck. You don't have to bring a separate huge generator along. You can power your house if there's an outage. You can, you know, run a Halloween party. You can, <laughs> you can not. Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> you can run a campsite. You can run a whatever. Sure. But the the ability to have power on the truck with you is a total game changer for some fleets. And, and I think, you know, really having a think about, well, you know, can I use that? Uh that type of um that type of let's call it an accessory or benefit or whatever you might might think of calling it. That is huge. And uh, so for some fleets, that's just going to be an amazing uh, offer. Well, James, I want to thank you so much for lending your insight on electrification. It's a topic that nobody can escape. And I think it's only going to get one that's a little bit more supercharged um, as, as we get closer to that 2030 date you mentioned. So thank you again for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom about this topic. It was so great to talk to you about this and have you join us today. Thank you, Stacey. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Until the next time, keep moving the world better. Thank you for listening to the Mile Marker Podcast. Stay tuned for another episode full of insights and ideas to keep the mobility industry moving forward. In the meantime, follow us on social media and be sure to like, comment, and share today's episode.